Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Dwayne. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm so glad to see you. I hope you'll look in your program and take your outline out and follow along and take some notes. Some of you right now, you're going, oh, the irony when your prayers go unanswered. On your way to church this morning, you were praying, oh, I hope it's anybody besides Pastor Dwayne. And look, you're stuck with me, all right? But I'm glad I get to share with you, okay? Seriously, you know, I've been praying for you this week, and I was thinking about many of you probably walked in here today carrying some heavy burdens. And feel like, man, not only has life hit, but to add insult to injury on top of when life hits, I'm praying to God and I'm just not feeling like he's answering me. I'm not feeling like he's hearing me. And it's, it's, it just sort of makes it feel like his salt being rubbed into the wound. You're going through something and where is God? And it's so tough when you're going through a difficult situation and you pray and nothing happens. You, you start wondering, has God abandoned me? Does he care about me? Is he even there? And I want to encourage you, God... God wants you to live by faith and facts, not feelings. I mean, he gave us feelings, but he doesn't want us to make those what we follow in life. And I believe God answers every single prayer. Now, he doesn't always answer the way we want him to answer them, and he doesn't always answer them in our timing. But he answers our prayers. One teenager said, God answers prayers four ways. Yes, no, wait a while, and you've got to be kidding me. Come on. And let's be honest, you know, we don't always like the answer God gives us. But no is an answer. Wait is an answer. In a little while is an answer. Grow up is an answer. God never leaves a prayer unanswered. And so what we're really talking about when we struggle with this, I'm feeling like God's just not answering my prayers, is when God says no, when he doesn't answer the prayers the way we want them to be answered. And if, I hope it encourages you. I was thinking about this this week. How many people of faith in the Bible had prayers that weren't answered? I mean, just to list a few, Abraham, Moses, Daniel, Job, Jonah, Elijah, Peter, Paul, even Jesus had prayers that didn't get answered. They didn't get what they asked for. So it's just natural to think, well, why? Why, God? Why do you answer some prayers and not others? Why do some people get relief from their pain and others don't? Why do some couples pray for a child and they have a baby and others don't and they're heartbroken? You know, some those are just a mystery. We don't understand. Some things we're not going to understand on this side of heaven. But some things are just common sense. I remember when I was a little kid uh, living in Virginia, and they would say, hey, you know, good chance of snow tonight, maybe six or eight inches. And I would just be looking out the window all night praying, God, please send the snow. I don't want to go to school tomorrow. I want to run around and play in the snow. I want to go crazy tomorrow. In the next room, my mom was praying, God, please don't let it snow. <laughs> I don't want to be stuck at home with those kids going crazy all day, right? How could he answer both of those prayers? Yes. You know, this weekend we have the Bay Bridge series in baseball, right? Some of you are big baseball fans, A's fans and Giants fans, playoff implications on the line. Some of you might even be praying for your teams. How could God answer yes to both of those prayers? I don't think he really cares that much who wins, but even if he did, 50% of the people are going to be disappointed, right? And there's some prayers that we pray that God can't say yes to. For example, if someone walked up to you and they said, oh, I've been praying really hard that God would make you fall in love with me. I've been praying really hard that we would get married. You know, God's not going to force anybody to fall in love with anyone or marry anyone because that would be removing our free will. So he can't answer that prayer yes. He's not going to force somebody to stay in love with you. 
Many of you have prayed that prayer. I prayed that prayer. God, please let my spouse, you know, let him work through our marriage. Please let him work on things. Let's fix things together. But it didn't happen because God's not going to force somebody to do that. And I went through a divorce I didn't want almost 30 years ago. And I don't wish that on anybody. You pray and God doesn't force people to do what you want. And it's easy to feel in those moments, God doesn't care. God's not there. Well, today I want to talk with you about a couple other possible reasons why God might say no. But then even more importantly, I want to talk about what do you do when your prayers aren't being answered the way that you want. So a couple reasons God might say no. I think sometimes we misunderstand the purpose of prayer. God commands us to ask him for what we need. To come to him in faith. Don't, he says, don't worry, pray. Pray about everything. He wants us to talk to him like a child coming to their parent, asking for what they need. But it doesn't mean he's going to give us everything exactly what we ask for. I like what author W. Bingham Hunter said. He said, I passionately disagree with the notion that prayer is a way to get from God what we want. He said, prayer is a means God uses to give us what he wants. Our loving Father often uses prayer to give us something different from what we ask for. But we have these childlike notions of, of God and what prayer is about. And that God's just going to give us what we ask for as long as we have faith. See, the purpose of prayer is not so much to get what we want, but to get what God wants. He wants us to come to him and trust in prayer. He wants to speak to us. He wants to change us. He wants to mold our characters and shape us to be more like Jesus. And sometimes God says no to get your attention. Sometimes God says no or not now because you're on the wrong path. Would you write that down? You're on the wrong path. You need a wake-up call. You need to experience some pain. You need something to redirect you. In Psalm 66, he, God tells us, if I, had, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. When we, are, when we have a sin in our life that, that we're not dealing with, we're not addressing, we're not trying to fight or overcome, God's not going to answer all our prayers. He's not going to listen to us because we're disobeying, and he wants us to get back on his path. James tells us, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You're only thinking about your own self and what you need and not how you could be a blessing to others or how God could use you. The Bible also says that when your relationships aren't right, it's like a, a hindrance between us and God. There's a, a passage where Jesus said, if you're coming to worship and you have your, all, your offering there and you're coming to worship and you remember your brother has something against you, it says, leave your offering there at the altar and go and try to make it right. Maybe a little closer to home. Peter said, and maybe he was speaking from experience, I don't know, he was married. He said, treat your wife as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. He said, treat your wife as you should. You know, sometimes when your relationships aren't right and you're treating someone wrong, God's not going to hear and answer your prayers. So sometimes we're on the wrong path and God wants to redirect us. The second thing is God sees the bigger picture. God sees the bigger picture. When God says no... That can be one of the greatest tests of your faith, particularly the time when something tragic and unexpected and unexplainable happens, and you pray and you cry out, and it, it just doesn't get changed. It doesn't get fixed. And you're like, man, in the midst of this pain, God, where are you? But God can see what you and I can't see. He can see the whole picture. We have a limited perspective. It's kind of like if you take a picture of the front of your house Oh, that's kind of interesting. You see some things about your house. Maybe you didn't notice when you were actually standing there. But then if you go online and you go to like Google Maps or Google Earth and you look at a, a bird's eye view of your house, you see things a little different, don't you? 
And not only does God see everything about you and everyone else around you, but he can see the past, the present, and the future. He can see around the corner. He can see what's coming. And he can see the goal that he has for you in your life, what he's trying to work you towards, what he's trying to grow you towards. And he, he, he often, his plan's different than ours. In Isaiah, he says, My ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. God's telling us, my ways are better than yours. My thoughts are better than yours. My plans are better than yours. Sometimes what you think is going to be good for you is not what's best. Sometimes I've, I've prayed and you've prayed, God, don't let me go through this, this pain, this fiery trial. And God says, you're going to go through it. But when you come out on the other side, see, God knows that you're going to be freed from some things you've been asking him to free you from. You're going to be free from a habit or free from a person, free from a fear, free from guilt, free from shame. And it wouldn't have happened unless you go through that fire. Sometimes God has to take you through those seasons to set you free, to teach you, to grow you, to change you. And Jesus said, trust God. You can trust. You're, if you're his child, he's your father. And he was teaching one time. He's always struggling with these religious leaders. And he said, he said to him, you know, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? And he said, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? You circle Father. Man, if he's your Father, trust me, God knows how to give good gifts. And he'll give you the gift you need in just the right time. You know, as, as parents, those of us who are parents, think about this. Do you give your children everything they want? You give your children everything they ask for? Of course not, right? I mean, but that's a lot of times how we approach God. We just expect Him to give everything we want, everything we think is going to make us happy. But you don't give your kids, I don't give my kids everything they want because I love them. And imagine... Imagine if your kids did whatever they wanted with no consequences. They brushed their teeth whenever they wanted. They went to bed when they wanted. They went to school when they wanted. Imagine what would happen in their lives. I mean, it would be a disaster. Sometimes they need socks, underwear, and deodorant for Christmas. I'm just, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes we know what they need, right? And imagine if, imagine if God just gave us everything we wanted. It would ruin us. I like what Billy Graham's wife, Ruth Bell Graham, said. She said, God has not always answered my prayers. If he had, I would have married the wrong man several times. You know, God has a different perspective. Sometimes he puts roadblocks in our ways. He knows what he's trying to accomplish in our lives. And if you look back in your life and really think about it, I'm sure you can think of a few instances where you're glad God didn't answer your prayers because he knew better. Now, last week, uh, when we were talking about being broke, when you're broke, I shared <clears throat> a little bit about uh, a very life-shaping experience from my life that I went through when I wound up broke. And there was also some times in there where some prayers weren't answered. As I mentioned earlier, I went, went through a divorce I didn't want. I was pastor in this church. Was all I could do, I was the English pastor at the San Bruno Chinese Church. The church was growing. In spite, I was all I could do just to show up and try to get through the week. I was just so broken, and God was using us and growing the church. And the leaders were trying to decide, well, should I still be the pastor or not? And I was praying and praying, oh, God, I love these people. I love this church. I want to stay here. But after a season, they came to the decision it wasn't going to be the best for the future of the church. They asked me to resign. They were in tears, and I was crying, and people were, you know, just all upset. And I wound up going to a church, another church down the road in San Mateo. And I go to church my first Sunday. I go to, I go to their, their Sunday morning Sunday school Bible study class. 
And you know one of the people I met there that first week I went there to that, that church? I met Jennifer, my wife. That's right. I met Jennifer, 1997. I met her, and I didn't know she was going to become my wife, but how would I have gotten to know her if I, God had left me where I was? And then one thing led to another. I, was, I didn't know this, but she was a teacher at a school I was already applying to work at. And so we wound up working in the same place together for like almost a year. So we got to know each other. I asked the pastor, which life group do you think I should go to? I don't know anybody here. He sent me to a life group. Jennifer was in that life group, you know. And then I learned some things at that church that I would not have learned if I'd stayed where I was. And I don't think God would have prepared me to come here and do what he's asked me to do here at Crossroads. And so sometimes when we say, God, please save me from this, don't do, God sees the bigger picture. Does that make sense? There's things like that in your life as well. Sometimes God says, I have a better plan. And a lot of times, a lot of times God seems to show up at the last minute. He just, you wait and wait and wait for that answer. But he wants to stretch your faith and grow your faith and build your character. And you know, in the Bible, many of the greatest people of faith, they did not get the answer that was promised to them during their lifetime here on earth. This blows the whole health and wealth gospel theory out of the out of the water, you know, people who teach that if you just have enough faith, God will give you whatever you want. He'll heal you. He'll make you rich. He'll give you all your dreams. And then what do they say when you don't get what you ask for? Well, you just don't have enough faith. Man, what a burden that puts on people to say you don't have enough faith. That is like, to me, that's spiritual malpractice to say if you just had enough faith, God would do this or God would do that. We don't manipulate and control God by our faith. We, our ways are, are lower than God's. We don't understand all the things going on. In Hebrews, in the hall of faith, the, you know, God's telling us about all these people through history who, who had, were great examples of faith. Many of them were victorious, but some of them were killed and uh, died terrible deaths, tortured and killed for their faith. And at the end, it says, they were all commended for their faith, all of them. Yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Could you underline that phrase, God had planned something better? You know, they held on in faith. They didn't, they didn't see the ultimate promise of what God was telling them was coming. God's timing. He's working his timing to give them something better and us something better. And we have to trust that. Rick Warren said, one reason why some of your prayers aren't answered now is that your life on earth isn't the end of your story. You know, God, this is not all, we're made to live forever, not here on this earth, but we're made to live forever. We're going to live forever with God, those of us who are his children. And he, he's going to make us whole. He's going to make us healthy. He's going to fix all our problems one day when we cross over into heaven. But he's got a bigger picture and a bigger perspective and a better plan. And so sometimes God says no because we're on the wrong path, but sometimes it's because he's got a, a bigger picture, and he's got a better plan. So what do you do when God says no? What do you do when you're stuck, you're waiting, and you're feeling like God's not answering your prayers, you're feeling discouraged? Well, I want to just say, for anything in life, when it hits you, any problem, any stressor, when life hits, how you respond will make or break you. How you respond. Hope you'll write that down. Your attitude is critical. When God says no, you've got two options. You can trust God or you can trip out. You can get all mad. You can turn away from him and just go your own way. Or you can turn to God and cling to him in your pain and your hurt and your worry. I've met a lot of people who came to that crossroads in life when life hit and they went the wrong way. They got mad at God. They got angry at God and they turned their backs on him. 
It's a terrible place to be. God wants us to, and, and you got to be prepared because life is going to hit. It's going to hit all of us. So when life hits, the first thing God wants us to do is trust that he is good. Trust that God is good. Number one, God always has your best interest at heart. And he wants you to respond in trust. It's okay. It's okay to say, God, this doesn't make sense. I don't like it. I don't understand it. It's painful. What's happening to me right now is not good. But I do know this. You're a good God, and you're loving, and you will never stop loving me. You know, it's natural to struggle to trust God, but if you can't hold on to your faith and trust God in the hard times, it may mean you don't really know him and don't really know his heart because, man, God loves you. Proverbs says, all the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who keep the demands of his covenant. It says all the ways are loving towards those who love him, who are trying to follow him, who are trying to obey him. It says you can count on God. He always acts for good and in love towards you and for his greater purpose. Now, the Bible's real clear. That doesn't mean everything that happens to you is good. A lot of bad stuff happens to me because I make bad choices. I'm sure some bad stuff has happened to you because you've made some bad choices. Bad stuff happens to me because other people make bad choices, because other people do things that are wrong. But God says, even, I can use even your dumb mistakes and other people's dumb mistakes and fit it into my purpose and use it to grow you and shape you. Even in the bad stuff, God can use it for good. So don't believe those lies that Satan wants to whisper to you when you're, you're struggling and you're wondering if God's re really there, if he really cares. Because Satan wants nothing more than to cause you to doubt God and not trust him. But you can trust God. Anytime you feel discouraged, remind yourself that God has a greater purpose for your life. He proved it when Jesus went to the cross for you and sacrificed his life for you, for your sins, so that you could be forgiven and have God in your life. You know that famous philosopher, the old country singer, Garth Brooks? He said, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs. Just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he doesn't care. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Trust him. And then when God says no, the second thing is submit to God's will. When you're in pain, when you're struggling, pray what Jesus prayed when he was facing the cross. You know, the night before he was betrayed and crucified, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, his favorite place to pray. And he knows the next day it's going to be terrible. It's going to be tortured, betrayed, spit on, misunderstood, whipped. And on top of all the physical pain and, and humiliation, he's going to have to bear the sin and the shame and the weight of our guilt. Someone who never experienced guilt and shame. And he didn't want to go through that any more than you or I would do. And in agony, it says he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, he would not have this time of suffering. He prayed, Abba, Father, you can do all things. Take away this cup of suffering, but do what you want, not what I want. Man, that's a powerful prayer. Do you see what Jesus did first? He affirmed his Father's power. He said, God, I know you can do all things. I know you could keep me out of this suffering. I know you could spare me. Man, it's really an act of worship. He's saying, God, you're all powerful. And it's okay to ask. He said, Father, please take this cup away from me. I don't want to go through it. I don't want to go through cancer or death or surgery or divorce or whatever. God, I don't want to go through this. I don't want to have to experience this suffering. It's okay to ask. Jesus asked. But then, so important, he accepted God's plan. He says, but do what you want, not what I want. Your will not my will. Sometimes God's going to let you go through some stuff and you may not understand why, 
a lot of times he wants to use that pain in your life to benefit other people. Sometimes you're going to suffer for the benefit of others. Uh, We call that redemptive suffering. Jesus suffered for us. He didn't deserve to suffer, but he suffered for you and for me. Now, I was thinking this week as I was about this idea. Think about how many prayers didn't get answered the way people wanted. But because people accepted God's plan, they took and used that to help other people. Think about people who, who pray for a child and they never are able to have a child. But then they adopt someone. What a beautiful, you know, they adopt someone who doesn't have parents. What a beautiful thing. Or they start an adoption ministry. Think about somebody who prays for instant healing from an addiction but instead they struggle and suffer. And that's how the recovery ministry got started because people needed help and they knew others needed help. And think about times when someone you loved and cared about died unexpectedly and in your grief, God, it was done. God didn't change that. But God took your grief to use it to be a blessing to others. You know, it wasn't God's plan that I go through a divorce, but I've been able to use the pain and experience I went through to encourage and help other people who are going through that. And God wants to take the greatest pain in your life and use it to benefit others. So don't get angry and turn your back on God when you're, he lets you go through the fire. Accept his plan. Don't waste your pain. God wants to use it, and he'll bless you as you move forwards. Sometimes people get stuck, and they're waiting for that answer, and they just kind of start sitting back and crossing around. What's God going to do? When's God going to show up? And Instead of waiting and whining, I want to encourage you to be an answer to prayer. Would you write that down? Be an answer to prayer. You know, if you're familiar with Job's story, it's terrible everything he went through. It doesn't make sense, really. And all through the book of Job, Job's complaining, God, this is terrible. Why would you do this to me? I don't deserve this. Show me where I was wrong. And eventually, God shows up and says, you know, kind of corrects him a little bit, but God never turns his back on him. It's okay to complain. It's okay to talk to God, but don't get stuck. Listen to God in your pain. Listen to God in your circumstances. Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear, what you're going to drink. He says, more than anything else, put God's work first and do what he wants. Then the other things will be yours as well. He says, if you'll put God first, I'll take care of you. Might not be easy, but I'll take care of you. And Jesus He doesn't ask us to do anything he hasn't already done for us. He proved it when he went to the cross. He put God first. And God is working in us and speaking us and shaping us. And you know, every one of you who's a child of God, every one of you, anyone here who's checking out whether God's even real or not, the Bible says God's created every person in advance on purpose. He has something for you to do. And he wants to take and use you and your experiences to help others. I don't know what God's calling you to do, but some of you aren't doing it for whatever reason. Maybe you're too busy. Maybe you're not willing to sacrifice some of your time. Maybe you're just in pain and you're hurting and you're struggling and you're doubting. And God's saying, hey, I'm calling you to do something. And you know, I'm asking you to work with some children. I'm asking you to come alongside some students. I'm asking you to lead a life group or help some homeless people or or step up. Can you imagine some of the prayers that people out there have that they need help? I was thinking this week about what if you were a foster child? Man, what kind of prayers would you have? Your parents are around, but they can't take care of you. You've been removed from their home. Now, how painful would that be? And the kids crying. You think you got problems and issues? Imagine if you were a foster child. Maybe God's calling some of you to come along this ministry called Foster the Bay that we really believe in, where, where we want to help families 
who are committed to fostering kids. We want, we want to raise up people to not only be foster parents, but also to be support friends for people who are foster parents. And so I want to ask you to watch this video with me for just a moment. Today in my city. Today. Today. Today in my city. Today in my city, a child will be removed from their home due to abuse or neglect. Another child will enter the foster care system and another child will be placed on a list of children waiting for a home. I've seen the headlines and studied the statistics. They say the future is grim. They say the future is grim. But we've got good news. But we've got good news. We believe that God redeems the most hopeless situations. That he brings beauty from ashes and turns mourning into dancing. We believe God is near to the brokenhearted. That he brings joy in the midst of grief and gives dreams in place of despair. We believe these children matter to God and that he cares about their futures. We believe that he's ready to write a new chapter in their stories. The Bible says that God sets the lonely in families, so we know that he longs for children in the foster care system to be placed into loving, supportive homes. We believe there's a church for every child. Foster the Bay is a coalition of churches. A coalition of churches is a coalition of churches. Foster the Bay is a coalition of churches committed to providing a loving home for every child in the foster care system. We dream of the day when every church will rise up and answer God's call to care for vulnerable children. We dream of the day when the long list of children waiting for a home will be replaced with even longer lists of families willing to open their hearts. We dream of the day when our cities will be transformed because the church is known as a community where abused and neglected children are cared for as beloved sons and daughters. As beloved sons and daughters. As we move toward that day, we will pray for these children and their families. We will pray for social workers and judges. We will inspire and equip our churches to step forward as foster families and support friends. We will partner with government leaders and county agencies to make this vision a reality. We will press on until there are more than enough families to meet the need. We will always protect, always trust, always hope, and always persevere. We will believe. We will dream. We will love. We are. 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 We are Foster the Bay. Even when, yeah, it's a great, it's a great vision. Even when we're in pain, God wants to use us. And there's other people around us in pain. So he wants us to hold on to him and trust, and he wants us to, 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 to do what he's asked us to do, to accept his plan. And I don't know what God made you to do specifically, but I'm going to encourage you to take your communication card out. If, you're, if you know in your heart God's asked you to do something and you've been putting it off, write it down. Maybe you need to talk to somebody about kids' ministry or student ministry or life groups. Maybe you'd like more information about Foster the Bay. You can just write FTB on there. And uh, Katie and Nathan Kopp are our liaisons with uh, Foster the Bay. I think they're going to be in the lobby after the service over here to my left, your right. You can stop by, but you can also write it on your card. They'll get you some more information. And you may say, I can't foster a child. But man, do you know we have a family in our church that's fostering children right now, and they need some support and help. And we have another family going through the process, and they're going to need some support friends. Maybe you could help them out, provide some of the things that they need to do. Help someone else in their pain and in their troubles. Take that step. So... Uh, look what God said to his people. Look what he said to the Jews when they refused to accept his plan and do what he called them to do. 
He said, since they refused to listen when I called to them, I would not listen when they called to me. I mean, what if God stopped loving and caring for you because you failed to love and care for others? What if God stopped hearing you today because you wouldn't listen to him and you wouldn't listen to others? And what if God answers our prayers for help the same way we answer his call on our life to serve others? Step up. Accept God's plan for your life. And as you do, number three is so important. You have to count on God's grace and power. Count on God's grace and power. Because the truth is, you may be struggling with unanswered prayer. You may be struggling with something where life has hit you and you're just struggling. And sometimes all you can do is get through one more day. One more day. It's all you can do to get up. But God will help you if you start each day and say, God, I need you. I can't get through this on my own. And maybe God's called you to step out right now. Maybe it's not the time for you, but maybe it is time to step out and answer his call. And you say, but God, I'm feeling so weak. I'm feeling so beat down. How can I do it? Trust God's grace and power. Think about the life of Paul in the Bible. You know, Paul, he, he went through so many trials and hardships, was nearly killed so many times. And he had a great desire to go to Rome and preach the good news there because Rome was the capital, the center of the world. And I'm sure Paul imagined it a, a little differently than how it worked out. I mean, I can imagine if I was Paul, I'd be thinking, man, I want to get on a nice cruise ship, take a Mediterranean cruise and go to Rome and see the sights. Let's rent the Colosseum. We'll have a big Billy Graham crusade. And all these people are going to come out. I can preach to everybody. And uh, man, he just wanted to go to Rome. That was his what he felt God called him to do, and he stepped out. But it worked out a little different. <laughs> he wound up going to Rome as a prisoner in chains. And I'm sure he could have sat there in jail thinking, man, God, what are you doing? How, why are you letting me go through this? I'm, I'm good at public speaking. I should be out there preaching to all those people in the Colosseum we were going to rent. And God said, you're exactly where I want you, chained in this prison learning how to be content in the midst of all your trials and struggles, writing letters to all the churches that you've been to and visited and started. Think about that. Paul sitting in prison writing letters. How many millions of people have read those letters over the last 2,000 years? Because Paul accepted God's plan, and he counted on God's grace and power. And even while he was a prisoner... He used his time, he used his ability to help someone else, and he wrote out of his experience, he wrote half of the New Testament for us. And in the midst of going through all the amazing things Paul did and all the ways that he was used, Paul also said that he had what was called, he called a thorn in the flesh. Nobody really knows what that was, but it was an ongoing problem that caused him great pain. And he prayed. He said, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. He pleaded. You know, Paul also says in that passage that God told me to keep me from becoming conceited. He allowed me to have this problem. You know, to keep me from coming so proud about myself, but to cause me to rely on him. And he said, God told me my power is made perfect in weakness. And then he says, that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak then I am strong. You know, when you're weak, is sometimes when you're the strongest because that's when you depend on God and you trust Him and you rely on Him. And as you rely on God, man, He's, he's going to meet you there. He's going to empower you. He's going to help you. You know, Job, in the midst of his complaining, he says, even if God kills me, I'm going to still trust Him. 
You know, if God never said yes to another prayer in your life or my life, I still owe him everything because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. If God never did another thing for me, he's already done the most important thing that I needed. And you can count on God. If you're here, he still has a purpose for you and his grace and his powers. You trust him and you take steps. He wants to use you. And the last thing I tell you to do, number four, is keep praying. Don't quit. Even when you feel like you're not getting the answers, keep praying. But come to God with the right mindset. Come to God saying, God, I'm, I'm bringing my concerns and worries to you. I'm talking to you. This is what I want. This is where I'm at. But God, what do you want? What do you want to do in my life? What do you want to give to me? Help me to trust you. Help me to grow my faith. Paul wrote this. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. So let me ask you, many of you, what, what is it you're praying for right now that's just not happening? Maybe you're, you're single and you desperately want to be married. And my heart goes out to you. Maybe you're married and you don't know if your marriage is going to make it. And you're just crying out to God. Maybe you want to have children or you're worried about the kids you do have. Let me just encourage you. Keep praying and keep trusting God. Even, even when you're not seeing the answers you want or what you'd like to see. Keep praying. But Paul also says, be thankful for all the prayers God does answer. And I, I think a lot of times... We're a lot quicker to list our prayer requests than we are our thanks. I mean, it's just human nature, right? We, we respond out of pain. But God wants you to express your thanks to him. And we're going to give you a chance to respond in just a moment. But before we do, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me for just a moment. And let's take a moment and talk to God. Let's right where you're at. Just talk to God. If you're struggling, you're hurting, life's hit, or you're, you're having some doubts, just Pray like Jesus. God, I know you can do all things. Strengthen my faith. God, there's some things going on in my life I don't like. Could you, would you take them away? But God, more than anything else, whatever you want, that's what I want. God, give us that kind of heart. God, for anyone here who's, who's in pain and hurting, God, I pray you'd give them hope. They'd sense your presence. Give them eyes to see that you're in their life, that you haven't forgotten them, you haven't forsaken them. God, strengthen their faith. And for anyone here who's not even sure you're real, not sure about the whole Jesus thing, God, would you help them to understand how desperately you love them? Help them to understand what Jesus went through. He went through his unanswered prayer so that we could be forgiven and we could be free. And God, speak to us. We need you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.